It Was Almost Real, the Pro Wrestling History Podcast, Episode 32. Welcome to It Was Almost Real, the pro wrestling history podcast dedicated to professional wrestling history from 1870 to 1920, although sometimes like today we're going to range into the 1930s because I have a confession to make. I promise we look at Ed Strangler Lewis's uh, wrestling schedule in 1912, but I need to revise and extend my remarks as they do in Congress because... 1912, he wasn't Ed Strangler Lewis yet, so we're going to look at 1913, <laughs> and we will do that in the next podcast, which will come out on the second Monday in October. We're actually recording this podcast on Payback Weekend for WWE and All Out Weekend for AEW, and we're going to start with AEW because, and I really wish Caleb was here today, but you're just going to get the cousin team today, so... Dangerous Dan is joining me again, and we're going to start off by talking about the latest news in AEW, which, mm. surprise, surprise, involves another punch-up between some of the <laughs> between the biggest star in the company and some little twit who doesn't know his place. Right. So, to fill everybody in, and we actually know the outcome now, which we'll get into in a minute, but... At the Wembley Stadium show that was the last weekend in August. And this should have been the greatest night for AEW mm-hmm. because they <clears throat> had over 80,000 paid fans at this Wembley show. When Vince McMahon had, and the number is always disputed, but let's just say what we think is the official number in the 70,000, 76,000 or so. Yeah. A lot of people that were competing against him, like Bill Watts, decided it was time to get out. And so this could have been AEW's coming out party to WWE that, hey, we're a serious competitor and we're going to do our best to compete, was marred because on the pre-show, Jungle, well, I don't know if he's Jungle Boy anymore, uh, Jack Perry the son of a true Hollywood star, Luke Perry, but who is not a star himself, Mm -hmm. had had a disagreement with a number of people on the collision show a couple weeks previous to that because he wanted to go through a car window or use real glass in one of the angles or matches that was going to be shot on collision. And several people tried to talk him out of it, and he didn't really want to listen So they told CM Punk about it, and CM Punk told him, no, you're not going to do that. We don't do that on Saturday night. This is not going to happen. Well, then he's going to keep himself from getting killed. I mean, yeah, I mean, He's trying to protect him from himself, really. Yeah. I mean, I know I wouldn't want to get put through a real car window. Nope. But Jack Perry apparently took great umbrage at this, and even though he acquiesced on the Saturday night show... 
he decided on the pay-per-view that they were going to go through the window of the car, which if they had done that and he had kept his little mouth shut, nothing would have come of it. But before he does it, he has to say, real glass, cry me a river. Yeah. And it was well reported what had happened a few weeks before on Collision. Mm-hmm. So the smart fans knew exactly what he was referring to. A lot of people probably watching the pay-per-view or this was the buy-in show well, here's, probably well, had no idea what he was talking about, but right. the smart fans would have known. Well, here's my thing. What sense in that match did it make for him to go through a car window? Exactly. And why do you have to draw attention to that? Because you're trying to stick your thumb in CM Punk's eye. Exactly. So they have the match after he goes through the window, and he did get cut because he was going to put Hook through the window, but Hook put him through the window. Right. And he cut his arm. Mm-hmm. You know, it, he didn't go all the way through, of course. Well, yeah, because it's real glass. Right, it's windshield not, glass. You're, you're not, not going to go through that most of the time. <laughs> And so, after the match, he apparently comes back through, uh, everybody calls it the gorilla position, but Mm -hmm. it's the staging area where they go out through the curtain. And there are a number of different stories about what happened, but the basic gist of it is CM Punk says, do you have something to say to me? Jungle Boy says, I think I said it out there, what are you going to do about it? And there was some kind of physical scrum of some kind, mm-hmm. which was quickly broken up by Samoa Joe. Some people said Punk put him in a front face lock and started to put a guillotine choke on him. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was broken up pretty quickly by Samoa Joe. And there was some uh, pushing and shoving and yelling. And the one thing I heard, and it's the only thing I think that gives a little bit of justification to what happened, but still not enough because we're going to talk about who the real problem in this whole scenario is mm-hmm. and it's not CM Punk and it's not even Jungle Boy Jack Perry could, he's, it, could he's, it be a guy with the initials TK? Yes it could be <laughs> so he um, Jack Perry should have been disciplined as soon as he came through the curtain he shouldn't have had an opportunity to get into it with CM Punk Mm -hmm. because could you imagine somebody doing that if they were on the buy-in show for a WWE pay-per-view or premium live event now Mm -hmm. what would Vince or Triple H do to that guy um I don't well they'd probably put him in a rubbish can (laughs) (laughs) as soon as they walked back through that there wouldn't have been any confrontation with anybody else because they would have been all over that guy yeah sent him home and either uh, suspended him or terminated him right exactly that there would have been no opportunity for a a punch up Mm -hmm. but this is the second backstage altercation now that CM Punk's been involved in and I've read a couple reports that say CM Punk lunged at Tony but was prevented from doing anything by Joe. And that's what Tony Khan quotes as the reason he takes the action he does a week later. So to jump to the punchline, both guys were suspended and Tony Khan terminated CM Punk's contract yesterday, which would have been Saturday, September 2nd, with cause. Well, let me ask you something here. Yeah. You suspend both guys. Yeah. So they both... Now you're going to terminate one of them? Yeah. Why are you going to terminate one of your biggest stars who knows how to wrestle and is going to put asses in... Or, sorry, sorry, guys. Butts in deceit. 
And why do you terminate your biggest star who's the only person that's ever brought in more fans to your product? Exactly. That's what I said. He's putting butts in the seats. People are coming out to see him. So I'll tell you why that he does this. Because Tony Khan should fire one person in this whole thing, and that is Tony Khan. Mm -hmm. You are incapable of running any kind of business where you have to apply discipline to a workforce. You are... completely unsuited for professional wrestling I have was in management for almost 30 years and when I was with the campus security department I had plenty of alpha males and females that I had to supervise mm-hmm. on a daily basis or supervisor supervisors and manage them and you cannot allow things that he has allowed to go on for years right so here's the first issue so what did what did you call it earlier today about about the AEW? It was a hundred and ten dollar million. It was a hundred and ten million dollar vanity project. Is yeah. what it is. Mm-hmm. He got money from his dad. He mm-hmm. has not. He has failed. So, and these are important uh, words for CM Punk's attorney to know. He failed to supervise his workforce, including mm-hmm. his executive vice presidents. Yes. In fact, the whole structure he set up around his executive vice presidents is leading to some of this because if his executive vice presidents had a uh, profit sharing or a company share, they would pay a financial penalty mm-hmm. for all the shenanigans they have pulled. With oh, yeah. If their money was based on how many pay-per-views the company sold, mm-hmm. A lot of these shenanigans could have been precluded because they wouldn't be going out of their way to get rid of the biggest star in the company right. if they were getting a share of what they make on the, the pay-per-views and stuff. That's exactly. the first thing. The second thing is he has consistently failed to discipline his EVPs who invaded Punk's room or locker room after that all-in thing last year. Oh, with the Young Bucks? Yeah, and had a brawl with him. Uh-huh. Everybody was suspended. But he didn't do anything, and this all goes back to from the very beginning when Hangman Adam Page went into business for himself during a live television show. Yes, he did. Tony Khan should have suspended him mm-hmm. and made an example out of him. Nobody said you had to fire him if you, you think he's that valuable to your company. Right. But you suspend him and you make an example of him that you don't do this kind of stuff. Right. And if he would have been the one waiting for Jack Perry when he came back through the curtain to discipline him for sitting there and exposing the business and everything on the paper or on the buy-in show, not even the yeah. pay-per-view, mm-hmm. you're trying to convince people to buy your pay-per-view. Right, exactly. So if you're sitting there taking shots at the biggest star in the company, the wrestling fans that are drawn to that product by CM Punk are going to get ticked off and may not buy the pay-per-view. I was going to say, that they are that or they're going to want their money back. So like, Wait, we, we bought this, now we don't want to watch it. Which leads into this weekend. Uh-huh. So <coughs> Tony Khan is incapable of leading this. And I actually have a solution for it that I had uh, been thinking of because I think there's actually three people capable of doing talent relations like Jim Ross used to do. Mm-hmm. I don't know that two of them would want to do it. The third one you could probably coax into doing it. But Tony Khan decides to terminate CM Punk on the weekend of his pay-per-view and TV show in Chicago, Illinois. Mm-hmm. CM Punk's hometown 
where he's a huge star and you terminate him the day before the pay-per-view. As I said, I think a pay-per-view you can have refunded up to a certain amount of time before uh -huh. the actual pay-per-view. I don't think you can get your tickets refunded. No, you're going to have to put them on StubHub and hope somebody doesn't care and will buy your right. tickets. So all these fans who thought they were going to see CM Punk uh -huh. found out yesterday that he's fired and won't be at the show today. Right. So I'm interested to see what the reaction is. The reaction last night on Collision, which was also in Chicago, was for the fans to boo Tony Khan out of the building when he tried to come out and explain what happened. Right. And the fans are just booing him. Well, they're booing him because, hell, he, he fired <coughs> the best wrestler the company has and who is a huge fan favorite with these people. I mean... And I can't defend but, Punk going at... If he charged at Tony Khan, there's no place in the, the U.S. where you get to go after your boss and not face ramifications. For right, exactly. I, I agree with However, you. However, he's not taking any action against anybody else that started all this stuff. And I right. don't blame him for having the punch-up with Jack Perry. Yes, in America today, you cannot have punch-ups at work. But this is professional wrestling. Pro professional sports... <coughs> is one of the few places still in America where people occasionally get in physical altercations and everybody gets their hands slapped and everybody moves on. It happens all the time in basketball, baseball, football, MMA, God knows it happens a lot. Yeah. Um, and even, even in between actors, you know. Yes. Yeah. People get their hands slapped, everybody yeah. moves on, but, you know, the one person you take action against like I said, I would be looking at you for failure to supervise. You failed to uh, do anything about the complaints he's made to you consistently. And Punk can claim a hostile work environment created by the executive vice presidents, who two of them went out into the arena today and did a victory lap around the ring, which was caught on video. Oh, yeah. And will not be lost on <coughs> many people, including a judge. Mm-hmm. And Punk's attorney. So, keep it up. You know, I've got to believe Tony Khan paid Punk all the money that he's doing his contract. Uh -huh. Just because he can't want any of this to get out of court. Right. They would be so embarrassed. Yeah, it would. Now, now he can just get up there and always say, Oh, no comment. I can't really talk about this. No right. comment. And I really like to talk about it, guys. AEW is like the coolest thing going. We get all these fans. We got all these shows everybody comes out to. If you listen to his press conference, he never answers anything. Yeah. And is constantly plugging the well, next uh, AEW <coughs> show or pay-per-view. AEW is lacking in, in viewers by almost 2 million people. I mean, you got Raw on a regular night drawing 3 million uh, TV to audience. a terrible... Yeah. Terrible TV show. Right. And you got AEW on the same night drawing one million. Yeah. So what does that tell you? And a lot of times their their end number that they usually end up with is around seven to eight hundred thousand. So that's about yeah. what the audience is for AEW. With Punk, they've drawn over a million a few times. Yeah. And now you're gonna be back to that core audience, which it's good they've got a core audience that's at least that size, mm -hmm. but until Tony Khan gets serious about running a company. Yeah. And I do not think that he has it within him to be the disciplinarian. So you need to go get a head of talent relations and let him do that. Right. And, you know, Christopher Daniels, God bless him, 
He's seen as a partisan in this. I just don't see him doing that. Mm -hmm. So there's three guys on his roster <coughs> that I think could fill the role of a head of talent relations. Mm -hmm. And one is Dustin Rhodes, and if he would take it, would be my first choice. Okay, yeah. But I think that Dustin would probably be more comfortable in a coach's role, not yeah. necessarily a disciplinarian. Well, I mean, you know, but he if he was willing to take it on, mm -hmm. I think he would be very good in that role because everybody seems to respect him. Right. And based on everything I've seen, he could be fair with the mm -hmm. talent. Which is one of the main things you want to, you don't want to see a partisan. Yeah. Well, that's why I say he could go back and he could look at his dad when his dad was head of talent relations for uh, was WCW. Yep. Uh, I mean, you know, Dusty was always fair with his his wrestlers, and uh, depending on which wrestlers you talk well, to, yeah. But, but <laughs> I don't True. think anybody could complain that bad. Right. They yeah. just didn't like some of his booking, which right. you can understand. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> an, an, another guy, I think everybody would respect. And there wouldn't be any punch-ups because even though I don't think he's the second coming of Ed Strangler-Lewis, still at almost 60, he's in better shape than almost everybody on their roster. And I don't think anybody would want to throw hands with uh, Billy Gunn. Oh. I think Billy Gunn could be a, a good head of talent relations as well. You know, I still enjoyed watching Billy Gunn in the ring even when he was because he would still put on one heck of a match even at 60 years old. Yeah, he's amazing. I know. <laughs> The guy's defi defying father time. Uh -huh. And then the last person, and he's run companies before, and I never heard anybody complain about fairness with him. I wouldn't let him anywhere near creative because he hung around Vince Russo way too long. Ugh. But Jeff Jarrett has run companies. Jeff yes. Jarrett could also be a head of talent relations. Mm -hmm. Any three of those guys. Jim Ross, obviously, could probably do it better than anybody, but at 70-something well, yeah. years old, and battling uh, some of the cancer stuff he's had the last couple of years. Yeah. I can't see him wanting anything to do with that. Right. But I think any of those three guys would do a much better job of it than it's being done so far. And the other thing Tony Khan should do is make the EVPs talent and get rid of the EVP titles because they're not EVPs in any way, shape, or form. Right. But of course, he's not going to do that either. So this is like fantasy management. Uh-huh. You know? He won't do any of it. He should probably turn creative over to somebody, too, but he's not going to do that. If Out of the two, I'd rather see him turn the talent relations over to somebody else. Yeah. Because you've got a lot of locker room problems that need to be fixed mm -hmm. and worked through. You know, talking about... And that's depending on, you know, I think with his money... And with the TV deals, I don't think this company is going to have to go out of business. No, because but he's make, got his daddy's money. Yeah, but make no mistake, too. this is going to hurt this company. Oh, badly, And yes. I think it's going to give them a real black eye this weekend. And like I said, they've gone from the joy of victory. What an amazing accomplishment last week. 80,000 fans at Wimbledon. Yes. And now, what, what do you think they're going to, what do you think they're going to draw, Ken? I think the pay-per-view buys will be down. I, I think that there, there a lot of the crowd will stay away, even though they bought the tickets. Uh -huh. And I think the crowd that does show up is going to boo the hell out of Tony Khan. Oh, yeah, they will. The elite, if they are foolish enough to put uh, Jungle Boy Jack Perry on there, they'll make fun of him. Mm -hmm. um, and that's one of the problems they've got, is they have a lot of immature 
guys who think they know better than everybody else, and the lunatics are running the asylum. Yeah. You don't have anybody in charge. That is why this is the way it is. In WWE, you have somebody in charge. Yeah. Whether it's Vince, and then he gets a career ending back injury when the feds come probing around, <laughs> and it goes back to Triple H. There is, or well, Vince might Paul be Levesque, probed in jail. You know, <laughs> Paul Levesque, the, yeah. the head of uh, vice president, head of talent relations, and all that. Those guys are in charge. The right. buck stops Absolutely. with them, and they. Triple H is not going to put up with any of these shenanigans on his watch, no. nor would Vince. No, because it's disrespectful. And it's not the way you run a company. It's not exactly. the way you run anything. You don't want to run a McDonald's like this. No, not at all with you your, your employees punching yes. each other. And and, uh, and, and it's the reason they're punching each other is because the management is doing nothing to address the issues that have been identified. Right, exactly. So it's just, it's a mess. So, do you have anything you want to? I've, I've waxed on philosophical, but I, I saw lots of bad management over yeah. my career. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I've ever seen anything this bad, and particularly in so high profile of a company. Mm. Well, I tell you what, one person I'd like to see take over, um, maybe not so much the head of talent relations, but creative. Uh, this man has been around AEW. For quite a while, and he was some. And I mean, he's he's a, he's a good guy, and I think that he would be a disciplinarian. I think he'd be fair with everybody, and that's Samoa Joe. Oh yeah, Samoa Joe. You know, yeah. Yeah. Do you think he want to do creative? I think he's too smart for it. Because you know Jericho wants to do it, but I, oh, I think yeah. that's a disaster. Um, well, Jer Jericho can't stay away from Fozzie for long enough to be a... The thing with Jericho is, I don't think that his ideas are necessarily horrible. He needs an editor. Yes. It's just like Vince Russo. Vince Russo was only successful when he was under Vince McMahon in WWE because Vince yeah. was an editor. He'd be like, no, okay, this is all right, but we're getting rid of this. No, right. we're not doing that. That makes no sense, mm -hmm. you know. You need somebody who's an editor that knows what they're doing. Yeah. The problem is everybody involved in creative at AEW, this is either the first time they've done creative. Yeah. They're in love with their own ideas, mm -hmm. and they don't have an editor. Yeah. And see, I think Samoa Joe would be excellent for that because he's going to go ahead and he's going to put together decent matches, and it's not going to be, you know, you know... I'm gonna I'm gonna throw Samoa Joe's name in there to be head of talent relations too. Oh, okay. I, I think because do that too. he's another guy that everybody respects. Mm -hmm. And if you could get him to do, if he wanted to do it, right? I, yeah. I doubt Samoa Joe wants to sit there. I think Samoa Joe be like, <laughs> and listen to. Well, you know, he said that about me on Twitter the other or As X. Well, the other day, that really hurt my feelings, and I didn't think that he gave me the proper flowers. And somebody else to come in there and go, well, he didn't give me my flowers, so why should I give him his flowers? I can see Joe sitting there going, you know, come on, Comet. Right. Well, I think Samoa Joe would uh, but say what the great Andre the Giant said after the uh, Ultimate Warrior hit him with a stiff clothesline. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, but Joe, I think Joe could definitely do head of talent relations, mm -hmm. and he could be the editor and creative, because who's going to tell Samoa Joe his idea sucks? Um, not me. <laughs> <laughs> you want me to wear a pink tutu and leave a wand out there? You got it. I'm on it. <laughs> yeah, because everybody respects him. Yeah.
And I, you know, I could see, like you said, with an editor, maybe Jericho could do it. Because Jericho Jericho's is, not an editor. Jericho is the one that comes up with all these half brain ideas, and him and Tony yeah. bounce them off each other. Yeah. Half brain. Let's be fair. Some of the stuff he comes up with, I'm sure, is great. Yeah. But it needs editing. Exactly. And Tony's not going to edit it. Tony's no. just going to be like, Chris, oh, oh, wow, that sounds great. What if we did this too? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that'd be wonderful. And then before you know it, they got people um, materializing in ice machines. Yeah, stuff. exactly. But like I said, yeah, if, Jer- if Jericho had an editor, he might have, he might be onto something. I just can't see Jarrett doing editing. He was around Russo yeah. too long. Mm-hmm. You know who would have been ideal to help out in creative and with talent relations? Mm. And they let him go back to WWE and work with Triple H again. Yeah. Steven Regal. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I tell you what. He, well, he would have been fantastic in that role. Yeah, you know, he was off his noggin most of the time, though. <laughs> so he was. <laughs> but, you know, now that he's an elder statesman uh-huh. and he's been so involved with NXT and everything, mm-hmm. I think he would have been a tremendous asset with both. You know. They need somebody who's respected enough. Because they see Jim Ross as kind of out of touch in that, which he's yeah. not. But that, that's how they see him. Mm-hmm. And that's how the fans talk about him on the X. Yeah. Uh, Jim Ross, he doesn't like any of our favorite wrestlers. No, I think he does. I don't think he would be there if he didn't. I think he's just I he's think not he's biased. trying to say that this stuff that doesn't make sense should make sense. Right. He's not biased. He's seeing things right down the middle. And if he says something like he likes, he says okay. If he sees something he doesn't like, okay, you know. Would he want to do it? Arn Anderson is an editor. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because he's been around. He's seen it all. He was around Dusty's booking. And I'm sure that he knows what was good with Dusty's booking and what what wasn't so great. Obviously, the problem with Dusty's booking was a lack of clean finishes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, um... Well, what, what did I say well, earlier this day about today about Arn Anderson? He no nonsense. He got the ring. He did his job. And I think as an editor, he'd be great. Yeah, you just you need somebody that they will listen to. Yeah, exactly. In that role, and and if you don't listen to Arnie, he'll put a brain buster on you. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's more Samoa Joe. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> but. AEW has a lot of problems, but the biggest problem is Tony Khan. Yeah. Tony, you need to start managing your group. You're probably going to get sued if you haven't paid him off, and I hope you're smart enough to have paid him off. Mm -hmm. Because you do not want all of these shenanigans that are going on around your company to come out in a court of law. Exactly. Because people can say whatever they want, but when people get under oath and have to now testify, a lot of the stuff that has been half-truce and covered up and all of mm-hmm. this is all going to come out and I think it's just going to embarrass you. It so is. I, if I was you, be smart, pay the man off. and If you have to use realize, your daddy's money. Right, realize that your company is going to suffer for this decision that you made. Mm-hmm. If he lunged at you legitimately, I can see where you would have to, if you let him come back, which I would not, if I was in your shoes, well, let's face it, if I was in your shoes, I would handle it totally different. Right. Because I'm not... I, I'm more used to that kind of stuff happening, mm-hmm. probably, than he ever would be. Right. And I, Because I think of Vince McMahon. If somebody lunged yeah. at Vince McMahon, you, that's not an automatic termination, because Vince probably thinks he can whoop their butt. Well, when, yeah. Uh-huh. When Brock Lesnar threw the title belt at him mm-hmm. back in Gorilla, mm-hmm. I'm sure Vince thought, 
you know, I might not be able to whoop Brock, but he'll know he was in a fight. Yeah. Even though Brock would pick his teeth with him. Well, yeah. I, I'm sure Vince McMahon in his mind believes that he could make anybody regret that yeah. he picked well, the fight I mean, with you Vince know, McMahon. You know, Tony Khan is not like 20 that. 20 years ago, Vince McMahon was a pretty pretty muscular. stout dude. Yeah. He's still, for 70-something years is old. Is he still? He is in great shape I for 70-something years. He took his shirt off at WrestleMania a year or two ago. Uh-huh. He still is in incredible shape for his age. Oh. You know, he doesn't look like he did 20 years ago. Yeah. Who does? But... For being his age, he's in incredible shape. Is it roids? I'm sure. He oh, okay. might be still <laughs> using a therapeutic dose. <laughs> but you can't take it away. He still works hard. He, he, I, I'll never take away what it takes to get in that kind of shape, even if you are using chemical enhancement. Oh, yeah. Exactly. It still is a tremendous amount of hard work to maintain the conditioning he does. Well, there was a... Uh Interview with some wrestler. So it's unlikely that Vince would react like that. Yeah. It's unlikely that I would react like that. But if you were truly scared, I still wouldn't get rid of my biggest star in the company. Never, I would bring never. him in. I would give him a last warning, probably. Mm-hmm. If you ever freaking come at me like that again, I don't care if it costs me $5 million. You're out of here. Right. You're not going to come at me like I'm some. Dana White would do the same thing. Oh. You're not going to come at me like I'm just some schlub. Mm hmm. But not only do you need to say that to CM Punk, you need to get everybody's attention. They all work for you. You're paying a lot of these people uh-huh. ungodly amounts of money that they could not get anywhere else. Let me give you a little clue right. here, Tony. WWE had no interest in the Young Bucks whatsoever because one of them is almost 40 and they're way too small for Vince's taste. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they're too small for wrestling. I'm saying they're too small for Vince's taste. Right. Kenny Omega, they probably were interested in about five years ago, but mm-hmm. now he's almost 40. His body is beat to shreds. Yeah. Because, I mean, Japan is like three, four shoot. Yeah. So his body is beaten down and everything. You know, they're they're not really interested in Omega anymore either. Mm-hmm. The one guy they were interested, they got. Cody Rhodes. Yeah. So you're, you are giving them more money than anybody else is going to give them. You don't need to kowtow to these guys, mm-hmm. you know, and you don't need to put up with this nonsense. They are hurting your company. They have hurt your company. They have been on a campaign to get rid of CM Punk, and now they have succeeded, and now it's going to hurt your company. It's going to hurt your profits. Mm-hmm. You know, I know that you want this to be a successful company, but until you change things, this is a hundred and ten mm-hmm. million dollar vanity project. This I would is like not to a see legit- it. Of course, I was excited, and Tony Khan got a lot of goodwill feelings from the fans. Yes, he did. Because people want an alternative to the evil empire. Exactly. I don't think people viscerally hate Triple H or Paul Levesque. Mm -hmm. Like, they can't stand Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon has run wrestling fans off in droves. Mm -hmm. He keeps trying to force this sports entertainment crap down our throats, which none of us... None of us have ever said, I'm going to buy a ticket to sports Sports entertainment. entertainment, yeah. You know, I used to get r- tickets to the wrestling, but I never got yeah. tickets to sports entertainment. And man, we loved it. Yep, I haven't loved it in about 20 years, but exactly. I-, I loved it at the day. And Vince has run people off in droves. He's tried mm-hmm. to sell all this stuff. Uh, the shows just keep getting worse and worse and more boring. The only thing worth watching on the entire... Well, I can't say that. I love Dirty Dom and Rhea together. Oh, yeah. I tell you what, they are such good heels. Yeah. Seth Rollins is still one of my favorite in-ring mm-hmm. performers. 
He looks ridiculous, but <laughs> I think that's just part of the gimmick. Yeah. It is what it is. And, of course, the bloodline, I love And uh, I told you last night, the biggest pop of the night was not for wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> it was been made event Jey Uso came yeah. out, uh-huh. and people found out he was going to be on Raw. So, But that's all that's worth watching. Mm-hmm. I would love for AEW, and AEW does have wrestlers. Yes. We just watched a match we're going to review later between Buddy Murphy, who is now Buddy Matthews in AEW, mm-hmm. and Aleister Black, who is now Malachi okay. Black yep. in AEW. And when Malachi Black first came to AEW, I'm like, Tony Khan gets it. He knows how to use him. Yeah. Now, that fell apart after about a couple of months. But yeah. I really want there to be another place for wrestlers to go. Yes. Instead I want the there to be a successful circuit. company, and I want there to be a legitimate number two promotion because that always pushes WWE to be better too. And if AEW ever became number one, I'd be the first to applaud for them. Oh yeah, absolutely. But you're not going to do it the way you're going about things right now. Yeah, You've given too much power to your EVPs who have proven they do not have the best interests of the company at heart because mm-hmm. if they did, they would not be messing around with the guy who brought the biggest pay-per-view numbers to your show. Exactly. You know, this is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And um, I just, I'm frustrated with the whole thing because I was yeah. really excited four years ago when I heard there was going to yeah. be another company. And I oh, do uh, want to review that match between Buddy Matthews and Andre Ilo uh-huh. at some point. Yeah. But it's very hard for me to be excited about AEW at all when you just took your best wrestler, the guy that actually brought in the biggest pay-per-view numbers and you got rid of him because you have failed to supervise your EVPs you have failed to supervise the rest of the wrestlers you got Hangman Adam Page still running around after going into business for himself Mm -hmm. these guys are making a joke of you and your company Exactly. and you have failed to do anything about it and the biggest part I thought was hilarious about this statement he released about the firing of Punk uh-huh. is after consultation with the AEW Discipline Committee. Who in the hell is the AEW Discipline Committee? I'd love to know the names on that. Tony Khan, Tony Khan, and Tony Khan. No, you know what I think it is? Uh. Tony Khan, his EVPs, the one attorney that runs everything, Oh, uh-huh. and maybe Jericho. Oh, uh, yeah. That's who I think it is. Um, so you don't have anybody impartial. Yeah. <coughs> so... It's just a mess. Yeah, I, I think we've. If if anybody's still here to listen to history, I do have a little <laughs> bit of history, and the history does tie into punch ups. Yeah, and it involves Ed Strangler Lewis, who's going to be the topic of the next podcast as well. Oh, he used to land some potatoes, did he? On purpose. Uh huh. So, Evan Strangler Lewis, Ed Strangler Lewis's namesake. If you made him mad, he would put on a crippling submission hold and legitimately hurt you. Mm-hmm. Ask Sorokichi Matsuda. Um, after trying to choke him to death in one match, he tried to break his leg in the next match and succeeded in injuring his ligaments. Ed Strangler Lewis, even though he could have done that, he was a trained hooker. Uh, he's the one that taught Luthes and a lot of other guys all those moves. He normally, when he shot, he wrestled people, but he didn't try to hurt people like mm-hmm. he could have. Uh, in almost every shoot contest, 
he beats the guy, but he doesn't hurt him. Right. Which, you know, I found to be a little unusual for somebody that was as good as he was. Usually they had a real nasty mean streak. Yeah. So like George Tragos, Luthez's trainer, uh -huh. everybody was shocked because Tragos was the hooker at the men's businessmen gymnasium in St. Louis. Uh -huh. So anytime you had some smart aleck come in there like, oh, I could beat these fake wrestlers. Tragos, who was a small guy, he was like five, eight or nine, mm -hmm. and weighed about 160, 170 pounds, would stretch these guys uh, and hurt them. Yeah. He, you know, he'd break a rib, he'd break a wrist. And that's the way most hookers were. Most hookers would hurt you. Yeah. The original Dutch Mantel, uh, I forget, he wouldn't was he working with Roy Welch? Um, he might have been the one that taught Roy Welch to wrestle. He broke his wrist the first time and then broke his rib the second time, or yeah. vice versa. And when Welch came back the third time, he goes, all right, you're serious, I'll teach you. Yeah. <laughs> That's how those yeah. guys operated. Right. So Lewis was an anomaly in that he didn't normally hurt people even when he was mad at them. Because Thez trained with uh, or Lewis and he... he that Lewis could do anything. Gene LaBelle trained with him too and said the same thing. Yeah. Judo Gene said Lewis could do anything with you that he wanted, but he didn't. He didn't hurt people, mm -hmm. even though he could. I was going to say, which is strange because he was foul tempered. <laughs> so, <laughs> but usually his foul temper bench, you got punched. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so let's talk about that. <laughs> so I've talked and written in the past that the fall guy. Uh, the Barnums of Bounce by Marcus Griffin. It, it is a problematic source, and I know a lot of people love it, and I enjoy reading it, but I will always tell you, never take the things that are written, written in there as gospel. Uh -huh. Do some research before, you, you just can't use this as a standalone source. You've got to do the research, because I've found so many inaccuracies in the book. And he does have insider knowledge because he worked in the Buffalo promotional office. And he knew yeah. Jack Curley from New York City pretty well. Um, and he wrote the book for the purpose of getting revenge against the Buffalo office, which had fired him. So the book contains factual information, but it's mixed with a lot of fiction and stuff. It's pr primarily to make the Buffalo uh, scene look bad. Yes, and pr wrestling and wrestling promoters in general look yes. very bad as well. So, one of the stories in the book uh, concerned Ed Strangler Lewis and then Man Mountain Dean, who was sort of a, a gimmick-type gimmick performer from the 1930s. I think he knew how to wrestle a little bit. He was a former policeman, mm -hmm. but he was not a shooter or a hooker. Uh, he, he was more of a performer. Yeah. And... In 1935, Man Mountain Dean was seen as a sort of up-and-coming wrestler, and Lewis was 44 years old and was on the way down. He was yeah. almost completely blind. Well, he was at this point. Not. Oh, gosh. <coughs> he got trachoma. Oh, okay. Which was common from the dirty wrestling rings back right. in that day. And mm -hmm. by the late 20s, he, he could just see outlines of people. Oh, gosh. Poor so guy. they used to have to you know, lead him to the ring by, you know, he'd have to hold some of these arms. Yeah. He could mm -hmm. just see the outlines of people. So, Lewis, at this point in time, was putting a lot of guys over to make them look good. And he put Dean over in a St. Louis match, which he found out later that Dean subsequently bragged about. Now, this is a work. 
Uh-huh. Lewis put him over in a worked match. Yeah, and then he's going to brag about it. Yes. And so then he supposedly made it worse. Lewis held the door open for him when they were up in New York. Uh-huh. And as Man Mountain Dean goes through it, he says, Hey, Ed, I used to follow you around, but now you follow me. Oh! Oh! So, I can't independently confirm that. Oh, man. But I can confirm that when they had the rematch in St. Louis, Lewis was really pissed off. I bet, yeah. And the the match they had in St. Louis in November of 35, uh-huh. Lewis lost the match, but it was kind of under handicap circumstances, and mm-hmm. it made the fans mad, because the fans liked clean finishes. And well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Pax and Muchnick both had that tradition where they liked clean finishes. They didn't like these fluky finishes. Yeah, so, exactly. Well, because, you know, that's what the people want to see. They want to see a decisive, clean, boom. Right, because they think they're watching a, a legitimate contest at that point. Exactly. So I'm sure a lot of people do, but they they at least want to be able to suspend their belief. Right, exactly. Like we used to do. Yeah. So Lewis supposedly tells Tom Pax, who's a promoter, and puts it in the newspaper in St. Louis that if he can't beat Man Mountain Dean in the 20-minute time limit, he will forfeit the match to Dean and be considered the loser. Oh, okay. So Man Mountain Dean lasts the 20-minute time limit with him. And so then Lewis, because he made that statement, Dean has declared the winner yeah. by forfeit. Well, that made the fans really mad because they thought the kind of wool was being pulled over their eyes. Right. So, and the lone highlight in that match was, I guess Lewis was in a playful mood. So uh-huh. Lewis is 250 at the time, and Man Mountain Dean weighs 317 pounds. Ooh. And they're on the, the floor... And Lewis is maneuvering him for like a pin. Uh huh. And the referee, Fred Vopel, is down on the mat looking to count their shoulders. Uh huh. And Lewis decides, oh, what the heck, this is boring. <laughs> he takes Man Mountain Dean and rolls him over on top of Vopel. Oh, jeez. <laughs> He's on top of Man Mountain Dean. So. The poor referee's got 367 pounds of wrestlers <laughs> on top of him, and he's kicking and pounding and everything else. And Lewis finally lets Man Dean up. Vogel told the newspaper, I felt like a bus was parked on top of me. Oh, <laughs> but that was the highlight of that match. So the fans weren't real happy. Yeah. Which would lead to, in the rematch in December, on December 19th, uh-huh. Not a whole lot of fans came out to see this anyway. Oh, okay. So, as I said before, Lewis didn't normally hurt people by hooking them. Mm-hmm. He started punching them. Ah. But he didn't start doing that right away in the, the match with Dean. Yeah. So they get in the ring, and they start wrestling around. And Lewis isn't really trying to tie up with him. He's just kind of shoving him around, which he did in a lot of the shoots. Yeah. He, he would shove the guys around. And then he's occasionally palm striking him and slapping him. Ah, uh, okay. Which, those things you could get away with. It, the palm strike was supposed to be illegal. But, I mean, going back to Frank Gotch, Gotch palm struck people constantly. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And nobody ever disqualified him for that. Mm-hmm. And so, Lewis never tries to tie up with him at all. 
Oh, okay. After about five minutes of this rough treatment, yeah, Dean is pissed off and tired of it. So he tries to throw Lewis over the top rope. That would have been a disqualification back then, yes. too. Yes, but Lewis hooks Band Mountain Dean and just puts his arm over the top rope and just basically spins them both out where they both go out and land on the floor. Uh-huh. When they stand up on the floor, because Lewis knew what he was trying to do, he was trying to hurt him or get him DQ or get himself DQ. Right. Lewis punches him right in the nose. <laughs> and now, which is which is an automatic DQ at this time. Right. But Vopel, who's the referee again, goes back out and starts looking at uh, Dean and looking because his nose is bleeding. Uh huh. And Dean gets back in the ring, but Lewis shoves him from behind. And Dean turns around and Lewis punches him again. <laughs> so Vopel tries to get in the way, and Lewis shoves Vopel out of the way. Uh-huh. So Vopel disqualifies him. Ah. Now here is where it really gets interesting. So the Missouri State Athletic Commissioner uh-huh. was here for this rigmarole, Ernest Oakley. Okay. And he thought that Vopel was too quick to disqualify Lewis. Oh, okay. So they have a discussion at ringside, and I don't think Oakley was smart to what was going on. I don't think he knew it was a work to turn into a shoot where guys were punching. Right. He reverses Vopel's decision and declares Lewis the winner. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) It was only the second time in ten years. That the commissioner ever reversed a referee. Oh my! But he made Lewis the winner after Lewis punches him in the face <laughs> twice, blends his nose. Can you imagine? I mean, you know, you've seen pictures of this. You know, strangle Lewis. I mean, the guy was here. He had some meat hooks on him. Yeah, I wouldn't want to get, <laughs> I wouldn't want to get punched in the nose by him. Exactly. And so, because of the the poor thing, only uh, 4,637 fans saw the match. It was a very poor crowd. Yeah. That's about half of what they would draw for the smaller shows. And then the bigger shows that they would have in, like, SLU and that, Mm -hmm. they could draw sixteen to 20,000 Oh, yeah, absolutely. Sam did similar numbers, you know, in the 70s and 80s. He'd have the 9,000 or so at Keele and then the 18,000 or so at the Checkerdome shows. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, the commissioner reversed the thing, and it was a big mess. I wonder how many fans they had the following, because it only drew a gate of $3,751.25. Oh, yeah. But I'm betting that the next time Ed Lewis held the door open for Man Mountain Dean, Uh Man Mountain Dean said, thank you, Ed. You know, I would. (laughs) That's ridiculous, man. I just... He gets punched in the nose twice, which is automatic DQ. And he's the one who loses it. <laughs> he goes, ah, no, we're going to reverse this. <laughs> My gosh. Oh, gracious. So, now you know that wrestlers punching each other is a long-held sacred tradition <laughs> in the professional wrestling business. It was going on back in the 30s. And this, yeah. This was not good because it would when they would have these things that would happen. Normally, you would not have this happen in a ring. 
unless it was an agreed upon shoot beforehand. Right. Because Lewis was basically going into business for himself. Not really didn't interfere with anything. Right. But it hurt Man Mountain Dean's push because yeah. now everybody knows Ed Lewis punched him in the nose <laughs> twice. <laughs> And he yeah. couldn't really do anything with Lewis. Right. Um, so it, if they were going to do anything with Man Mountain Dean in St. Louis, it did hurt him. Yeah. Um, but because of Ed Lewis's respect, I doubt that Tom Pax did much other than go, oh, Ed, would you not punch Dean in the nose like that? You right. Look at his bloody nose. Um, and I tell you what, I bet that's going to come up to you, the mix you, we're going to review, isn't it? You know, yeah. Because you know what? <laughs> I almost guarantee you that Man Mountain Dean didn't go back to Tom Pax and say, this is an unsafe work environment. I'm getting out of here. No, if Mountain Man Dean was smart, he'd just sit down, shut the hell up, and keep going. <laughs> and be, you know what? Okay, I got my broken, my nose broke. I deserved it. Yeah. <laughs> There's an old Irish saying, many a man's mouth has broken his nose. Uh-huh, exactly. Like, I'm sure when Ed Lewis held doors for him from then on, it was a much more polite exchange than... Well, it. the fact that Ed Lewis held the door for him surprises me. <laughs> and he should have said, thank you, Ed, then. Right, exactly. He should have said, hey, Ed, remember, I used to follow you, but now you follow me. Uh-huh. <laughs> exactly. In a worked business, bud. Uh-huh. In a legitimate contest, Man Mountain Dean could not have beaten Ed Lewis with a bazooka. So. No. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you should you should watch your mouth sometimes. So, and as you said, that kind of leads into this week's review. Mm -hmm. Because, so, I got the the network in 2019 when my mom was sick, mm -hmm. and the TLC pay per view was after that. A, a bit and I hadn't had a chance to watch it yet but we had had a family gathering and I talked to Ron my brother-in-law and I said hey did you see that and he goes yeah it's a one match pay-per-view and the match he was talking about is this match between Buddy Murphy and Alistair Black from the 2019 uh, TLC yes. pay-per-view and WWE thought so much of this match that they have it up on YouTube for free. Everybody can watch it because they're hoping that more people will buy the network after seeing this guy. Right. Yeah. But we were talking about it as we were watching it. They must have had a gentleman's agreement between the two of them that, you know, just like the Von Erichs and the Freebirds used to have, don't knock my teeth out. But, right. you know. But if you stiff me once or twice, right. it's okay. Right. We're, we're going to work a little stiff. I think it's the same kind of agreement that Walter, now Gunther, had with Elia Dragunov, because yeah. they had some really stiff matches. Um, I didn't, there wasn't anything that I would consider unsafe. No. There uh -huh. was just some hard shots being laid in, and, and mostly safe areas. But, and, uh, but I think uh, Alistair Black, who's now Malachi Black at AEW, did catch <laughs> one in the nose oh, <laughs> at some point. Yes, he did. he had a bloody nose. Um but there were several points in that match that we're watching, and this is the first time Dan's seen it. It's like, oh, oh. <laughs> well, you know, you can tell when they're they're working in the ring because the shots just don't sound like that. But when you, leather hits skin from one of those kicks, it reverberates. Yeah. And oh my God, I'm I'm feeling sorry for these guys. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean they they put they put their body through something to give such a great match, and it was a great match. It, it, and I understand why Vince never got Alistair Black because he's not a big muscular bodybuilder guy. Mm-hmm. Paul Heyman did. Paul Heyman wanted to put Black over Brock Lesnar at one point. Yeah. But you know Vince couldn't see that. Oh, no, because uh, Brock Lesnar's a big muscular right. droid monkey, and yep. that's what Vince likes. Yep. But No offense, Brock, by the way. Yeah, don't yeah, come yeah. to my house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're great, buddy. We, we, <laughs> we say nothing but the best about right. you when we're not calling you a steroid monkey. <laughs> I, I think he's up in Saskatchewan. I don't think he's driving down here to say, where are those two guys who would call me a steroid monkey? Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to prepare the bunker anyway, okay? But I'll tell you <laughs> what, that freaking dude is a freak. Oh, he is. Did you see the uh, Hell in a Cell from, I think it was last year, where he scurried up the side of that cage and cost us a thing? Yes, I didn't <laughs> think he could move that thing. That quick. guy was in his early 40s. I know. And he scaled that thing in like three shots. I'm like, uh-huh. whoa. I tell you what, the man is an amazing physical specimen. He is. But we also know he didn't get that physique completely natural. Oh, right, yeah. I tell you, that's, I don't understand why he didn't make it in football. Yeah, you know, because I don't think he played it other than wrestling. I mean, he was an NCAA champion wrestler. He's, yeah. He's a legit bad dude. Uh-huh. Um, I just don't think he played football enough. At the pro level, it's a completely different animal. It's like we were talking about CM Punk doing MMA. I respect oh. him for trying it, but it was such a long shot. That yeah. With, uh, he'd done some jiu-jitsu, and he had done some kempo karate when he was a kid, but it's such a higher level. Yeah. You know, the chances of him at his age with his body being beaten up the way it was mm-hmm. of having a successful MMA career was not great but give him his props for trying right, I, exactly. I, I don't knock him for that um, he never developed into a good MMA fighter yeah. and it, it could be instincts it just could be he just started way too late you know he yeah. was way too behind well, he was the in curve. his 40s wasn't he no he was in his late 30s late 30s when he started but he was so far behind the curve with these yeah. young kids who were in their 20s mm-hmm. and started doing MMA and stuff like that wrestling and all that when they yeah. were in their uh, single digits you know eight year old kid doing wrestling and jiu-jitsu would be yeah. pretty hard to beat right mess with him when he's in his 20s uh, but this particular match Alistair Black was on the ascent and he would get to the top levels of the company in 2020 considered a world champion contender until Vince lost whatever he I think he got crossways with Heyman, and once Vince gets crossways with somebody, if you really like him, the more you push him, right. the more Vince resists. Right. And he went into some really stupid matches in 2020. Mm-hmm. But in 2019, he was the rising star. Yeah. And Buddy Matthews is the one I don't understand why Vince didn't like, because he's a jacked-up guy that moves super well. Yeah. That's the kind of guy that Vince loves. Vince loves these muscular guys. And if you could move well on top of it, that's just yeah. a plus. Mm-hmm. So I don't understand why he never really liked Buddy Murphy. But yeah. this was a great match, very hard hitting. They went back and forth. Um, and we were talking about there were several high spots in this match, but they all made sense. It yes. wasn't just doing a bunch of moves 
with really no outcome in mind. Everything they did. Ricochet comes to mind. Do what? Ricochet. Yeah. You know, and, and he. Goofy dude does backflips in the rings for no reason. And he hits his stuff some yeah. of the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, if I was Logan Paul, I would have wanted to knock him out for that bump they took off the top row. Oh, yeah. That was insane. Uh, but, I mean, Logan Paul does crazy stuff too. Did, did I show you that thing where Ricochet came down? I, I don't know what he intended to do. I think it was going to be a 450 splash. Uh, but he kind of got lost in midair and comes down butt first right, right on, on Sammy Zayn's lap. Yes, uh, Sammy Zayn hits him right in the crotch. Sammy uh, Zayn folds up like a pocket. <laughs> <laughs> and he had a hard time pinning him because I think Sammy Zayn was in so much pain. Fortunately, I mean, Ricochet's like 160, 170 pounds. Yeah. Could you imagine some 250-pound guy doing that stuff? Kevin Owens, maybe? Yeah, poor Sam. He'd still be <laughs> laying in the ring. But this went back and forth, and uh, Alistair Black won with the Black Mask, the spinning uh, back heel kick, mm -hmm. which was his finisher, which made all the sense in the world. Yes. And... That match, I will say, is another modern match that would have held up in almost any era. It was hard-hitting. Yes, there was some high-flying stuff in it, but it all made sense. Shawn Michaels was a high-flyer, huh. but it made sense when he was doing the stuff that he was doing. Rob Van Dam was a high-flyer, but these guys just weren't running from spot to spot yeah. to spot. The thing I don't like today is you'll have somebody do a Canadian Destroyer off the top road, which is stupid, but they'll do it. Yeah, and it gets a two count. And a two count. Then they'll wrestle for five more minutes. They won't only sell that. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, well, we've done everything. Small package for the win. Yeah. Okay, that move should have killed him. Right. And it's a two count, and you win with a small package. It's mm -hmm. like, okay, well, we ran out of stuff to do, so time to right. the match. Go home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> This match made sense. So watch this match. It's a modern match, but it would hold up. And we will review Buddy Matthews versus Andre Il Idolo because I liked Andre Cien. What was it? Andre de Cien almost when he was in I think WWE. So, yeah. Uh -huh. And Buddy Murphy. I liked both of them when, when they were with NXT. And well, it, everybody's raved about the match, so I'd like to, to review that yeah. one, too. Going back to our, our, our match that we've been reviewing here is, you know, um, no, these guys are both on the bigger side. I mean, you know, they're, 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 not, they're not little guys. No, I Black is tall. Mm -hmm. He's lean. Yeah. But he looks like a fighter. Yeah. When you look at him, he looks like a fighter. And, when and Buddy he, Murphy looks great. And he's... And, Alistar Black looked like a damn ballerina on a couple of those <coughs> kicks. Yeah. And he connected with, I didn't know a man that size could get his leg up that high. Yeah, and the way he does it with the dexterity. And yes. The merit. Uh -huh. And the thing I always liked about Buddy Matthews, uh, Buddy Murphy in WWE, mm -hmm. was how well he moves for a guy that's that muscular. Yes, exactly. And he doesn't get gassed. Guys that are usually carrying that much muscle mass mm -hmm. blow up easy. Well, remember he he escaped. somebody Ultimate Warrior. Yeah. He couldn't run to the ring without blowing up. Right, you know, and there's a couple of spots in that where uh, Buddy Matt, uh, Buddy Murphy was in the corner, and you know, Alistar Black was getting ready to charge him, and he just put his hands on the top rope and leapfrogged 
over him. And I was like, my God, that's, you know, that's amazing that he could do that. Yeah. Because, you know, and I've never seen anybody else do it. Yeah. WWE really missed the boat with both of them. Yes, guys. they did. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. If, if, um, if Vince there would have been uh, minding his yeah. P's and Q's instead of chasing the uh, paralegals. Paralegals around the place. Yeah. Vince, Vince has not been the Vince he used to be for a while now. And mm-hmm. you could see it in the product and how bad it was getting and everything. And now yeah. you find out that part of that was because he was distracted. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I guess when Linda moved to Florida, he started chasing all the women around the office. He'd yeah. probably do it before then, too. Oh, I'm sure uh, he was. Leopards don't change their spots. No. And uh, that that's one of the reasons I have a real hard time supporting the stuff that WWE's doing right now, because... It's still Vince's playground because he owns so much stock. And the things that he has done is pretty reprehensible. Especially during the Attitude Area. We don't even need to get into how bad that was. So I think that we've just about taken the piss out of everybody that we could possibly take the piss out of. Uh, mm -hmm. Tony Khan, fire yourself. Um, We'll say it again. This mess is your fault. You failed to take action repeatedly when you should have, and now you've got a huge mess in your company, and you deserve it because you should have, as the leader, taken positive steps to address all this stuff. Don't insult Ed Strangler Lewis when he's holding the door open for you. No, because you'll get a potato in the nose. Yeah, which would be very difficult since he died in 1966, Uh before I was even born. And um, finally... If you have a chance, watch that match between Alistair Black and Buddy Matthews. You will not, re- and it's not super long. I would say it's maybe fifteen minutes at the most, even yeah. if that. Yeah, yeah. It's a real good, hard hitting, but it's not a match that goes on forever and ever. Mm-hmm. The show notes, as usual, are available at kenzermanjr.com/episode32. Uh, we'll have a link to that match um, if. We get some good video of Tony Khan getting booed out of the building at the pay per view. I'll put a link to that up in the show notes as well. Um, getting ready to, it's the beginning of September, so I'm getting ready to start my next research project. You'll be hearing more about that in the coming weeks. Yeah, and, and I uh, will be taking off some medical time off during uh, the month of September, but I'll be back for the October shows. Yeah. So this is actually the last show in September. I timed it <laughs> so that you would have plenty of recovery time. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. So before we, we come back, because mm-hmm. I think the shows are better when you have at least two of us here. Yeah, yeah absolutely. We'll, we'll get Caleb back in the, the groove, too. He's got he's got some family things going on that he can't be here. And, we you know, yeah. our thoughts and prayers go to him. And one thing before we close out tonight, uh, Ken, I know you don't really, you never really care for the man, but we lost a, a great storyteller this weekend when uh, Jimmy Buffett passed away at 76 oh, years old. I didn't old. have nothing against Jimmy Buffett. I know you didn't care for his music. No, I was not a big fan. It was Mar- who can dislike Margarita? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nobody can dislike that song. But <laughs> in general, that is not my type of music. It's right. like I respected Waylon Jennings. There were a couple of Waylon Jennings songs that I liked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if you ask me what is my least favorite music, I'm going to tell you it's country music. Right. Yeah. Every exactly. Time. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Um, my dad loved it. It's only mine because, yeah, because my dad forced me to listen to it every road trip. <laughs> That's why I don't like it. <laughs> exactly. Because my dad made me listen to it all the time Right. when I was growing up. And I just never... There's... Uh, who is that one guy? It's kind of a crossover. Everybody loved him in the 90s. Kenny um, Chesney? No. Um, Garth Brooks. Oh, Garth Brooks. He's, but he's got some songs I like. Yeah. Uh, Friends in Low Places. Mm-hmm. And, couple others but I love hip-hop I heard hip-hop for the first time in 1986 or 1987 mm-hmm. and I've been listening to it ever since it's yeah. my favorite uh, genre of music and I like most music I'll listen to jazz classical yeah um, easy listening top 40 I listen to all that soft rock not a big fan of the heavy metal yeah mm-hmm. the screaming music yeah not a big fan of that mm-hmm not a big fan of, uh, I guess, was Jimmy Buffett Calypso music? Uh, he was, he, sometimes he was country western, sometimes he was rock and pop. So um, he just had a steel drum in his band, <laughs> you know, that would uh, come in, which, which which always added. But, you know, uh, like I said, I, was, uh, um, I introduced myself to Jimmy Buffett in 1989. Uh, oh wow! Uh, I bought a I bought a songs you know by heart his greatest hits tape because it had Margaritaville on it. I wanted to see what else he sang and which is a lot because the man's been around for you know forever. Yeah. Uh, and I enjoyed it. Uh, like I said, it might not be everybody's cup of tea. And and yeah, sometimes I don't want to listen to Jimmy Buffett. Sometimes I want to listen to Great White or you know something like that. So. We listened to a lot of great white memories. We sure did, didn't we? That was a great group. And but I introduced you to some stuff that we probably can't. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. Well, we could talk about it, but <laughs> could never play it on this show. No, we try uh, to keep it clean, but FCC would be. <laughs> hey. <laughs> but yeah, thank you for acknowledging that. I mean, mm-hmm. we've had a lot of major deaths lately with Barry yeah. Funk and Bray Wyatt of course was very tragic because of his and then, age and exactly like Adrian Street before that yep. and, then, and one of my favorites as a wrestler I respect him much more now after reading his biographies than uh, I did when I first saw him in the 80s well yeah because he had that crazy hair and that flamboyant attitude but he always he always left you guessing yep I don't think Miss that Nancy's, was the magic of the act yeah exactly Whereas Adonis came out and said that he was a homosexual. And that's why Adrian Street said that it didn't work. First of all, you could not do a homophobic character today. Oh, no, huh? Like they did back then. But right. he said when Adonis came out and said that, he goes, it just hurt the character. Yeah. Because, and Goldust didn't do this at first. Goldust kind of had the Adrian Street thing going. Yes, uh huh. Where the you mystique. really didn't know what's this guy all about. Right. You know, mm-hmm. he's kissing Ahmed Johnson, but then uh, he's got Marlena with him. Yeah. And everything. Mm-hmm. So, it. That's why I think that character worked. I don't know that you could do that today. Yeah. Sensibilities are, are much more sensitive. Uh huh. And there are certain things that people should not be doing yeah just because it's you know there's already too much insensitivity and lack of acceptance around yes already so then you start you know making fun of certain things and it's completely inappropriate exactly you couldn't do it today and it's probably a good thing for most of these it's like we was talking about 
off the air to you, uh, last week about the movies that couldn't be made these days. That oh yeah, were made the TV shows that couldn't be made yes. these days. Mm -hmm. And some of them, I mean, the Jeffersons and all in the family tackled every social good times tackled yeah. every social issue. Those shows would be very hard to make today. But you know what? Those were some of my favorite shows. Well, and, and maybe I didn't understand. They made everything. you think too. Yeah, you know, they really made you look at your attitudes about things and that. And well, look at Sanford and Son we, the same way. Yeah, but we, you would be hard pressed to challenge the viewers like that today. Yeah, mm -hmm. because people will be making complaints to the FCC and everybody oh, yeah. else uh, because of that content. So mm -hmm. I don't think it's. Uh, good or bad I think it's the way it is and you just have to things are always changing and moving and you have to adjust and change and move with them exactly that doesn't mean you have to embrace wrestling that doesn't make any sense right. save that stupid argument <laughs> I hate when people say oh well it's evolved and everything else no things that don't make sense have not evolved right bad movies are still bad movies bad tv shows are still bad tv shows mm -hmm. and bad wrestling is still bad wrestling exactly um, don't use that excuse but you do have to adapt and change to the world because the world is constantly adapting and changing yeah you know we were talking earlier today too um you know you used to have to wait for a starcade or uh, a really big you, special you used event to have to wait for everything to see a bull rope match to see oh, yeah to see something like that but nowadays everybody's getting put through the announce table somebody's getting hit in the head with a chair every week every week and i tell you what that's why i said you know give us some build-up to it you know Heck, I remember you know okay dusty Rhodes is going to be in a bull rope match against you know joe schmo at starcade at Starcade, and I couldn't wait. Right, because you never see it. It wasn't on TV every week. Right, but and now I see some guys go off of a ladder, go through a table, get hit with a chair every, every week. week in St. Louis. You would not see somebody hit with a chair more than once or twice a year. Exactly. So it was a big impact when it happened when Brody picked up a chair and waffled somebody. Yeah, it. it's like oh my goodness, because you did not see it every single. It week. was a shock. If Joe the dog face boy in the first match came out and waffled somebody with a chair. Okay, well it's not that big a thing. <laughs> yeah, well yeah. okay, what's gonna happen next? You know. Oh oh look, he got hit with a chair again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, this person went through the table. Oh, this yeah. person went through the table. All of it has lost because it's been done over mm -hmm. and over and over. You see it I've said if I never see another ladder match for the rest of my life, yeah. it'll be too soon. Exactly. I've seen all the death-defying stuff. Every time people try to top themselves, a lot of times it ends in disaster and people get hurt unnecessarily. I was going to say, look at Edge. He did all that high-flying, death-defying stuff off the uh, ladders. And, and he had to forcibly retire because of his neck. Yeah. And Jeff Hardy and Matt Hardy are a shell of what they once were. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you know a lot of it was those bumps off the ladder well, and yeah. on the ladder and all that. Yeah, if I never see another one of those matches, it'll be too soon. Yeah. They have a whole pay-per-view around that. Well, look at the Dudley Boys. What was their What was their big move at the very end of every match? You're going through a table. Yep. Okay, I get it. Yep, it's been yeah. done to death. Yeah, exactly. So, we're not adapting to that. 
but <laughs> right. we'll adapt to other things. So I think that we have pretty much covered everything we intended to cover this week. I believe we have. We will be back in two weeks on October 9th. Because this, this, even though we're recording this at the beginning of September, this will not come out until September 25th mm-hmm. will be this episode. So then the next episode after that, and, and that episode, I've got three or four weeks, I will get Ed Strangler Lewis's 1913 wrestling schedule, and we can compare that to Evan Strangler Lewis's wrestling schedule that we talked about in episode 31. Right. So check out the show notes at kenthermanjr.com, and you could always shoot me a question. If you shoot us a question, um, we'll answer it on the podcast at a future time. So... For me, we'll catch you next time. Uh, same here. Like I said, you know, I'll be going under the knife this month. Uh, I just appreciate all the good uh, good vibes there coming my way for a speedy recovery. Here, here. Even if you don't like me. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time, bye-bye, everybody. <laughs> bye.